Before today's topic, a quick disclaimer. The stories and data we share come from the states that we practice in and the experiences we personally had, which can differ greatly across our country and certainly the globe. This is not a professional advice show. So get comfy and let's discuss death. Welcome to Mort Mike, a down-to-earth discussion on death and dying. I'm Jem. And I'm Red. And we are your, well, uh, funeral directors this episode. (laughs) This week, we thought we'd go back to basics with some tips and tricks on attending your first funeral. Especially in earlier years, some people can go most of their young adult lives without ever having attended a funeral or experiencing a death, especially if their families are smaller or have longer life expectancy. So this is especially true for planning a funeral. Um, Most people only ever make two arrangements in their lifetime, a parent and a spouse. How many funerals have you attended outside of work, Jim? This is actually a funny story. I've only ever attended one funeral, and it was my grandma's funeral on my mom's side, my maternal grandmother, and it was after I started working as a <laughs> in the funeral industry. So before I went into the funeral industry, I had never actually been to like a funeral to where it was like someone that I that I knew. I think even before that, I only went to like one viewing mm-hmm. and it was for someone who I didn't really know. So I really, yeah, was not exposed to funerals like as a kid. A lot of times people don't bring their kids to funerals. And then sometimes like my family is really small and really young. So we didn't like have like old people dying all the time. So I never really went to a funeral when I was a kid. Yeah. And that's about the same for me where it's just like, I, it was really, I went to someone I was super young where you don't really remember it. So they don't really count, but I had been in the industry for quite a few years before my grandparents started to pass away and I attended them. So like, that's probably the case for a lot of people, especially like that are in their like early twenties, mid twenties, like you're not going to really attend something until your late twenties or thirties even. Yeah. So I think that, you know, a lot of questions that I get from you know, even I think my brother asked me, it's like, when we're doing this podcast, I think one of the biggest questions is like, what do I do in like anything surrounding death? Because I think that funerals are, if you've never been to one before, they're kind of scary, because you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You don't know what's appropriate to do or say. And you don't want to make anyone more upset than they already are. So it's totally valid reason for for being kind of afraid to approach the subject and not really knowing what to do when you uh when you first get invited to a funeral yeah definitely and so today's gonna be a little more specific um we've we've already mentioned in our episode someone has died 101 about what to expect when someone actually passes away so like the transfer the initial funeral arrangements so we're not really going to be talking about that and having a lot of crossover into this episode so uh, we just encourage you to check out that episode if that was something you're interested in hearing Um, But today, what we're actually going to be talking about is mainly the typical American Christian visitation and funeral ceremonies. Um, So we have many future plans to discuss, you know, other cultures and other religions throughout the world. So that's going to be saved for later on. This is mostly about that American Christian experience with a funeral. I just thought that this would be a good start 
position for something that a lot of people end up experiencing, mm-hmm. um, whether in their own families or as friends. So a good place to start, um, when a lot of people wonder, what do you bring? What do you prepare for? What, what goes into like some pre-planning before you show up for your first day of visitation? And so for families, um, a funeral should resemble a good party. And that sounds kind of messed up to say, but <laughs> like it should, it should have a lot of the same key, same key elements. So, uh, photos, music, and food, the things that make a party good. Uh, Because those are the same things that when people come together in many different American traditions, those are centerpieces. So for photos, um, they can come in the form of photo boards that people put together. Um, You can bring just straight up photo albums and frames off your walls. And then a lot of uh, funeral homes can just bring the flash drive with uh, JPEG photos on it for them to put up onto their screens to do like a little slideshow on their televisions that are in the room. Uh, Music follows some very similar patterns, bringing CDs, flash drives of music on it, uh, log into Spotify or YouTube on their computers. But with the technology stuff like this, it's always a good idea to um, talk to the funeral home ahead of time uh, to make sure that they can actually do that on their systems. And then always try to bring those things in about 24 hours ahead of time so the funeral home can test them and make sure it works with their system because it, it has happened multiple times where I've had families bring in stuff the day of and it doesn't work and then they don't get pictures uh, the entire time, which is a really big bummer. So always allow the funeral home time to be able to look into those kinds of things. Yeah, and the stuff with the music and the photos, especially for visitation. Um, so visitation is is an event that kind of happens either a day or like even on the same day as the actual funeral ceremony. And it's basically just kind of like a wake, if you guys have heard of that, or like a time for people to come and visit the family, to come and, you know, reminisce and spend time with the deceased and kind of be in that moment. Um, but the, the, the thing about photos and music that I always remembered from when I used to work visitations is that it was so refreshing and so cool when someone brought their own music because like the the stock like funeral home like <laughs> Our visitation elevator music, music <laughs> is so bad it's and really it's bad. so awful it's it's yeah it's like elevator music but it's like weird like uh like wind beneath my wings except elevator yeah. music style <laughs> it's all got kind of like a religious tone to it yeah like. <laughs> So if you, you know, if you have like the music that your decedent or your um, a deceased person liked or or you kind of want to cater to something else or like if you found a playlist on Spotify that's like cool songs to play at a funeral, <laughs> uh, just like bring, please bring that in. Uh, it would be so much more personal and so much more meaningful, I think. Definitely. And that does lead me to my next point, which is personal items. It's very important to try to personalize the service uh, and the visitation, like everything surrounding it, to the person who passed away. And when somebody walks in that room, you want to be able to have different talking points and, and show different aspects of a person's life. So anything you can do to do that, whether it's photos, music, um, actual items. So if your family member was into a specific hobby, you know, bring in their sewing work, bring in um, the paintings that they made. This is so important to be able to have around and show off who that person was and what they were about. And these are things you can bring um, just right when you're coming in for your visitation. Uh, you don't necessarily have to bring them ahead of time uh, unless you have a lot to bring in. And then, you know, the funeral home can have them just set up and ready for you guys uh, ahead of time. But otherwise, you can just bring it then. It can be a, a fleeting thing, whatever you happen to find that is important to that person that you want to show off. 
Um, the next thing that uh, is often kind of unknown, um, but is probably should be required, honestly, is food. You can bring food to the visitation. Um, of course, this varies per funeral home. You have to check uh, your funeral home guidelines. They may have limitations or maybe a certain state requires certain uh, licenses or whatever. But I feel like most of the times you can have food at your uh, visitation as long as it's in like a separate area from the deceased body. Um this this is really beneficial, especially depending on the length of time of the visitation um, and, you know, what kind of food that you're going to supply. But I will say that every visitation that I've attended that has supplied food has been, like, just so fun. I don't know what it is about, like, having food. It's like having this separate space where people can go and be away from the sadness because you know funerals are sad and be away from all of that really heavy emotion like in the in the funeral parlor in the visitation room and just go kind of refresh get their energy back hang out i think it's really important for families too to have that space where they can like leave without leaving and have that separation um because you know visitations can be long and no one wants to be standing there you know uh saying you know thank you for your condolences for like five straight hours without anything so i don't know i i always really like the ones that have food and then sometimes they let us eat the food which is really cool too i always love that oh that's the best <laughs> and i know some people might be thinking okay well food and alcohol go hand in hand so obviously there might be some funeral homes that may uh may uh, allow that sort of thing. But from my experience, I don't necessarily think so. There's a lot of licensing and and uh, risk taking that goes into allowing alcohol in your establishment. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's listen, listen, I know. I know you're all out in the back in the back of the lot drinking beers anyway. So like keep your kids tailgating pretty reasonable. There is a good reason that funeral homes don't allow alcohol inside unless it's being served by somebody because it does get out of hand. I have hundreds of stories about this, why it's a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> exactly. But I also know that uh, alcohol can be a really important part of a lot of cultures where um, it's just like, yeah, we, we all do a shot for grandpa who passed away. Like it's it's just it's definitely something that's worked into a lot of different cultures. So like I'm not going to say don't do it. Just be smart about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to say uh don't don't tell anyone we told you this, but uh, a lot of visitation staff are pretty cool when it comes to sneaking in a flask or two. Just saying. Yep. <laughs> so if you have children, it's also important to think about them. Um, obviously, you want to be able to offer to your children the ability to come to a visitation if it's something that it would benefit from. Um, but it's also important to note that length of time again. If you're going to be there for eight hours, you should bring stuff for them to do because they are going to get bored after about the first 30 minutes. And then there's still a full day ahead that you need to be able to focus on your own grieving process. Um, but then th they have something to do that's not drawing you away from that. And honestly, even considering a babysitter after a certain amount of time, uh, just have the babysitter come pick them up. That way you can, you know, still be present. And then they're, they've had their time to be able to be around family and say their goodbyes uh, before they just start to go off the rails and start ripping down curtains and stuff. Because they did, they get so bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say for the kids, I, I am an advocate of, I think it's important that kids need to be present and they need to be kind of aware of, you know, the rituals of death and what that means. 
Um, but you know, like Red said, only for so long can kids like sit in a quiet room and like pretend that they're not about to go off the walls bonkers. So <laughs> a babysitter is a really good idea. I never thought about that. But also, um, I've heard of some funeral homes having like family rooms where there's like kid toys and stuff like that, but that's pretty, pretty rare to be honest. Definitely, definitely rare. I've worked at three different funeral homes and none of them had like a kid area. Like one had like coloring books, but that was like it. And that's, yeah, <laughs> that's about like 10 minutes and then they're done with that. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something that we've already kind of mentioned a few times is just be conscious of how long you're going to be there. If a visitation is only about four hours, you're not going to feel like you need as many creature comforts while you're there as you would like an eight hour stint of a, of a visitation. So always be conscious of taking breaks, go to eat, go drink some water, have a breather, step outside. Time can pass pretty quickly with the nonstop conversation. So honestly, setting an alarm for a few hours just as a reminder uh, is a good idea. Like I've gotten to the end of the night uh, with families at the end of their visitations, and they said that was their first time uh, getting to have a break to go to the bathroom, like all day, you know. So just try to get ahead of the fact that you are, and especially even, it doesn't happen often anymore, but you have two days back-to-back of visitation before a funeral on the third day. That's forever to be at the funeral home. So you mm-hmm. still need to be taking care of yourself while you're there. Yeah, absolutely very important to take care of your mental and emotional needs uh, as well during this time. There is no reason to try to tough it out and like just be there the whole time because you feel obligated to. Um, You're human and you're allowed to take care of yourself. So definitely do that, please. And some demographics, it can actually be custom to have a break during the visitation uh, where guests are no longer being received and the family can rest. They can either, you know, take two hours and just eat at the funeral home or even like go out to dinner. Uh, That's definitely something you can ask for during an arrangement. I know it's not always common uh, depending on where you're from, but it is something that you can do. So that's a lot of stuff for just family. So what if you're a guest? Uh, What are some, you know, little bits of etiquette to know ahead of time? Um, then speaking of time, be aware of the time. (laughs) (laughs) It is very unfair to rush a family along by showing up early to the family hour. That's their time to be with the deceased. Um, and just know whenever like the website or newspaper or whatever says the visitation time starts, say it starts at 2 PM. Most likely there's going to be an hour before that where the family, that's just their time to be with their loved one. So don't be showing up early because then we have to go in there and be like, okay, your guests have started to get here. Are you ready to receive them? Give them that time. So don't show up super early. And then likewise, at the end of visitation, if it ends at eight and you get there at 7.50, that's taking away from their time to say goodbye. And in some instances, they might not get another chance to see their loved one before they're cremated or buried. So it's important to try to be timely about your uh, attendance to a visitation. And I usually say, uh, if you're a guest, it's not always appropriate to help yourself to the food unless uh, you're invited by the family. Uh, A lot of people are pretty quick to do that when you go say hi. Uh, They'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, there's some food in the lounge. Go help yourself. Um, Unlike the family, you're only there for a short period of time. And you can always go eat before or after you arrive there. So that food might just be for them uh, and for them to be able to take home after so they don't have to cook for the next few days. It's a nice thing to allow them that food for themselves unless you're offered. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the um I think a good comparison to make here is that uh like 
I don't know what media I've seen this in before, but there's like a stereotype that like little old ladies will like read the obituaries in the newspaper <laughs> and then like go to the visitations to like gossip or like see what's going on or have some food. Um, as long as you're not that person, it's, you know, just show up and be polite and be there for the family. Don't just like come for a snack and then, you know, leave or whatever. We've had homeless people come into one of my funeral homes yeah. to get food before, like, because they yeah. just know that there's probably going to be food there. It's uh, it's sad, but it does happen. People do come in for a spot to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So some, some overall guidelines uh, for some other things for families and guests alike. What do you wear? I, I feel like I, I get that question every now and again. And to some people, you know, it could be appropriate attire. Um, but what does that mean? It's a lot of different things to a lot of people. For some, they might come in like a standard suit and tie, formal dress, blouse. And for others, appropriate means they come in a button-down flannel and jeans and custom t-shirts of the deceased. So I would say as a guest, you should just plan on having some sort of dress clothing, even if it's just like casual khakis and a polo. But for next of kin, uh, some dress more casually the evening of the visitation because they're going to be on their feet all day and then more for, uh, more formal for the day of the funeral. So like you're going to church or something like that. Black yeah. has. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You could also um, set guidelines, I think, if you have a specific uh, request for attire. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like not to make a weird comparison, but I guess it's kind of like wedding invitations. I think if you send out like visitation invitations or funeral <laughs> invitations, you can say like, you know, formal dress required or uh, some people say no black clothing, please, or stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. And even though that's been like the traditional color of funeral clothing since like the dawn of whatever, there's been a huge change uh, in that standard over the years. Just honestly, I'd say avoid hyper vibrant colors like yellow and red because they're like an attention grabber and that can be a little disrespectful when the center of attention should be the deceased. But um, a lot of things have become relaxed over the years. Like even some situations, um, there might be like a theme, uh, for the clothes at, that's optional. Um, I actually just wrote that into an obituary today, uh, that they wanted, you know, so-and-so to, you know, wear this person's favorite sports jersey, uh, to the visitation, you know, in support of how much they loved blank sports team or, uh, mm. where your Papa Jim loved his favorite band. So wear some like band t-shirts, you know, we, I see all sorts of cool stuff like that. Um, which usually would be referenced in the obituary. If you're a family member or a guest who's planning to be at the visitation for a long period of time and you're a person that wears high heels, uh, definitely would recommend a change into more comfortable shoes. Even men that have like really uncomfortable dress shoes, uh, I would definitely consider bringing a change of shoes, especially because you're going to be on your feet a lot more than you would think you would be because um, a lot of conversations happen standing up at visitations for whatever reason. That is. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely just consider that um, even a more comfortable change of uh, uh, clothing, especially if you want to go out to dinner at like a dress down place afterwards, or if you just want to change after a long day at the funeral home before going home, if you have a long drive ahead of you, just something like that to consider. And this is especially going to be important um, for the funeral day as well, especially if you're going to a, cem a cemetery, bringing those comfortable shoes. So I think one of the most daunting parts of the visitation is like actually walking in and seeing the casket and then seeing like uh, your decedent's like little head poking up over the <laughs> edge because it's, it's really scary, especially if you've never seen a dead body before. 
um, people don't really know what it's going to be like and they don't really know how they're going to physically react because um, it can be really jarring and really anxiety producing for a lot of people. Um, I definitely had a similar experience as to where when I started funeral, when I started working, interning at a funeral home, um, I had never seen a dead body before because I'd never been to a funeral. So it was definitely that whole like, okay, here we go. They're going to open the door and there's going to be a dead body there and it's going to be fine. And they're going to look like a dead body and it's going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, just to kind of, you know, I can't tell you what you're going to experience personally because everyone's different, but just to kind of um, sort of give you an idea of what you might see. A lot of the times, Actually, I want to say almost all of the times when there's a visitation, the body has been embalmed for sanitary reasons, um, for for kind of keeping everything uh, good looking reasons. Um, bodies start to decompose within hours after death. So mm-hmm. it's really important to embalm the body to, in order to keep it presentable for the visitation. Um, I think one really good way that it was described to me, um, you know, embalming the body and and doing the makeup and 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 trying to make the deceased um, look as if uh, look recognizable and look familiar and look uh, more comforting than just a dead body laying there. Right. Um, I think a, a really good way that is described in the funeral industry is that you want to create this um, really nice memory picture (laughs) and that's one of those like funeral flash words that we like um but just a really nice sort of comforting familiar view of this person um a lot of the a lot of stuff goes into embalming which we've talked about before and a lot can be changed if the person was really sick you can make them look not sick if uh they had something happen to their face like a contusion or something like that you can make that go away with makeup so most of the times you're going to see a very nice looking person um that honestly looks like wax because there's probably wax and makeup on them um and they're going to look different they're not going to look like a live person that's laying there sleeping. They're definitely looking different, but it's not so crazy. It's not disgusting. It's not like scary. It's just, I kind of think of it as like a wax model, honestly, is what it looks like to me. Yeah. It's that, um, uncanny Valley. I get that a lot that it's like, it's them, but like, uh, something's a little off type thing. And there's no right or wrong way in how you react to seeing, um, your loved one deceased for the first time for a lot of people that is the case like i've had some people that stay at the back of the room until they're like ready to go up and some people run straight to the casket and push everybody Mm -hmm. out of the way so it's okay to react however you're going to react to it and a lot of the times like if i'm taking a family in for a first view and i think that there's something that could be problematic um like we had to use a lot of cosmetics because of you know bruising or something like that i try to tell the immediate family that's there for Mm -hmm. the first view like hey i just want to let you know um i think your dad looks wonderful but you are going to notice that there are some more cosmetics on his face than you would be used to so it's just kind of like giving that soft open to people yeah Um, guests aren't going to get that but but i try to give that to my my next of kin at least because it's scary it's scary like you don't know what you're gonna expect so yeah take note funeral directors you should be doing that for your families (laughs) i know i i use that line as well when i was working funeral and i i love that kind of soft opening with families as well another important thing to talk about here is that if you don't like what you see and you're like that is not grandpa joe or whatever like why is he wearing lipstick 
you need to ask the funeral director to fix it. Please do not try to fix it yourself. Oh my God. Because yes. like I said, we talked about this in a previous episode with the wax coming off of the lips. Mm -hmm. There is a lot that goes to embalming and there's chemicals um, in your loved one, unfortunately, pumped in. So you really need someone who knows what's going on there and knows what happened uh, to be able to fix something. If you try to fix something, it's it's just going to be bad for everyone involved. I promise you. <laughs> You're going to have to call us in after anyway, so might as well just do it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, definitely, and, especially if you have anything that you want changed. I mean, it like is such a shot to me when I get a survey after a funeral and it's like, well, we really wish that he looked different. I'm like, but you could have told you could have told me and I could have tried. I could have tried to fix it or at least explain yeah. why things were different. We yeah. want you to be heard. Yeah. And it's very important to be transparent with your funeral director. Um, I would say that most of them want to please you and they are open to making sure that you are comfortable with what's going on. Uh, right, Greg? I would say that, right? Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. that would break my heart to know that somebody stood next to their loved one for eight hours and they hated every second looking over and yeah. being like, because I, I hear that sometimes. I'll go in for visitation and I'll hear murmurs of like, man, I just wish he looked a little bit more like himself. You know, like I hear that all the time and I'm like, please just give me the opportunity to fix it if I can. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't know what your loved one looked like in life. We have pictures, but that's not you know super helpful yeah i could think that's like the best body i've done cosmetics for all week but it could be awful and tragic for you <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's very important to be able to be open with us about that mm -hmm. so when receiving guests i get this question um randomly actually a lot um something i never really thought i would get questions on this about uh how do we where do we stand uh families will ask me that where do we stand and so usually I notice that visitations go like one of two ways. Um, either they'll start like getting like this receiving line type thing or like casual little scattered pods around the room. <laughs> um, if there's like a lot of visitors and you have like a big family, um, sometimes standing and having a receiving line is a lot more beneficial. Uh, so that you'd stand up by the casket and then like in a row and your guests could like file up and be able to talk to every single member of the family and pay their respects um, or like a more organized way. Um, otherwise families will be in these like little random groupings around the room, uh, where guests can like visit whoever they know and join into whatever conversations that are happening in the group. So there's no wrong way to do it. Uh, there's benefits to both, but it's whatever kind of naturally happens. Don't get too worried about where you're standing. You don't have to be an X on the floor. <laughs> you can just go wherever yeah. you want. <laughs> or even if you need to like sit, like if you sit down in a chair, like near the front, people are going to come up to you. Yeah. So, you know, don't worry about it. So here's the really big part that I, I feel like a lot of people uh, might be super on their edge to know. What what do you do? What do you do and say to support the bereaved? What Where's your place as a guest, as a friend, uh, and a distant family member? How do you support those that are directly being affected by this death the most? This is hard. And I think that as professionals in the industry, we have experienced this a lot and we have learned a lot um i want to say that it really depends on who you're talking to um but in general there's no like one size fits all phrase that's going to you know take someone's hurt and pain away after losing a loved one whatever you say it's not going to fix anything really so just kind of keep that in mind you you're not there for solutions you're there to be with them in their grief uh, sit with them 
you get that's what you're there for to support them in that way. You don't have to offer any solutions. Um, we were warned in mortuary science school to avoid saying certain things um, that would kind of sound not genuine or like you know, uh, how would you say like could be misconstrued. Yeah, it could be misconstrued. So one of the biggest things that I never say, I never say, I'm so sorry for your loss. I never say my condolences. Do you know how many times someone has heard that after someone dies? It becomes like background noise. It doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. I like if I say that to someone, I could care less to me in my mind. So I would never, ever say that to someone. And that's just me personally. And that's just how I feel. There are instances where I feel like it's appropriate to say something like that. Very, very rarely. I think to a family, I've only said it like once or twice, honestly. Yeah. I said it in the beginning when I really didn't know what to say. And then I definitely yeah. got away from it myself. I, uh, I actually even had one professor that said, don't say that because they're not like an article of clothing that you would lose. They're a person. And I'm like, yeah. all right, damn, that, that hits hard. <laughs> it's pretty hard. Yeah. Honestly, what I do is I am... I f well, I feel like I have it easy because I'm a very like sympathetic person and I'm very, uh, uh, very compassionate just in general, the way that I talk to people. So I kind of just talk to people as I would talk to them normally. And I always try to kind of end the conversation and make it about, about them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I'm talking to a family, um, and I'm wrapping up the conversation, this is all for work stuff. So I know it's different, but, you know, wrapping up business and stuff like that. I say, you know, okay, well, you know, I'll be in touch, take care, stay safe, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that means a lot more than being like, oh, you know, uh, it was his time or, you know, God had other plans or, you know. Uh, those are absolutely my off the table. <laughs> Never, ever say those things. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think if you just try to, and I know Red has a lot more to say about this, so I'll wrap it up. But if you just try to kind of make it, um, kind of personal to you, personal to the person you're talking to. You don't have to say anything that's going to solve anything. You just have to be there and, and be present. And that's all I'm going to say. I think that's a really, really great way to put it. Because, yeah, like, I'm so sick of hearing, like, I'm so sorry for you. Like, no one cares. That's just background noise, like you said. So, yeah. I mean, like, if you if you absolutely need some to say, like, if you want me to give you something to put in your back pocket, like, here's here's some of my go-tos uh, that I, I say if I'm just, like, really struggling to come up with something more personalized for somebody. Um, the classic, I'm so sorry you have to be going through this right now. I know how special uh, Graham Graham uh, is to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or um, I, I can't imagine how hard this must be for you right now, but I'll always be here for you when you need me. You know, just stuff like that. And it, it also opens you up to be a resource to them, which is really important because that's what people need in a time like this. Yeah. And honestly, you can say a certain phrase a thousand times. And just one family might take offense to it, but that doesn't mean you have to change your entire vernacular out of like being gun shy. Some people are just more sensitive than others. I think another thing I want to stick in here is that a lot of people do this to families in, in, in this crisis moment. They go, if you need anything, let me know. Oh my and God, yes. when you say that it's very, that's a very open-ended statement. So I think, you know, they first of all it puts all of the pressure on them to contact you second of all they have to think of something that they need you for um so 
if you think about it, it's really putting more pressure onto them and they're probably not going to contact you even if they could use your help. Um, so I think what a lot of people, or not what a lot of people, what I recommend that people should do um, if you want to offer like specific services or you want to offer your specific help, um, think of something very specific that you can do. Uh, like, hey, do you need help? Um, you know, getting all this stuff back to your house after the visitation, like I'll help you. I have a big car. Or what about like, uh, do you want me to, or can I cook dinner for you on this specific day? Or, Hey, can I come, you know, mow Graham Graham's lawn? I noticed it was getting longer or something like that. Very specific things that are going to help them during this time, um, that you can do for them instead of just being like, Hey, what can I do for you? Cause no one's gonna, no one's gonna tell you to do something. They can't think about it. Yeah, definitely. And it also depends, like, there's some people, like, especially widows or widowers that have gone their entire lives while they're married to this other person without doing specific chores, because Robert was always the one that put the gas in the car, and I don't even know how to start the dang thing, you know? So, like, you can definitely reach out with much more specified service uh, to them, which would actually be extremely helpful. It just takes a little uh, putting yourself in their shoes to think like what they might need right now. And I yeah, think food exactly. is especially a good one. Food and housework. Like that's that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So just some other uh, tidbits about uh, just talking to someone who's lost a loved one. Uh, just some little little more tips. Um, it is okay to bring up the deceased. They are not taboo just because they passed away. Their names should be able to be said without any fear. That is that is their loved one, and they're always going to be their loved one just because it's a day after, a week after, a month after, a year after. Like, keep using their name. Keep them alive through talking about them, and then it's okay to talk to their loved ones about them. I would say it would probably not be appropriate to ask the cause of death, though. Um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like I, i'll get uh, people that come up to me during visitations and be like so like what happened and it's just like get out of here vulture like that doesn't matter <laughs> get out of here vulture. <laughs> uh, especially in um someone who passed unexpectedly or traumatically uh, i would definitely not ask the family about that no absolutely not i mean just depending and yet again it's all kind of feeling things out Giving someone space to be able to share their story and their loved one's story can be healing. Um, and you can be pretty tactful about saying it. So like, um, what did you and grandma have to go through these last few weeks? Was she sick for a long time? Is it okay to ask? So like, you can you can say stuff like that way where it's not being creepy about trying to find out the cause of death, but gives them the space to talk about their story. Um, but also don't be shocked if they say, I've already told that story a thousand times tonight. Can we talk about something else? Like, it's probably very true. They probably have talked about it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's always a great idea to ask how, uh, your, your friend or your, your family member is doing mentally, like whatever, whatever they're going through. Hey, how have you been the last few days? Have you been sleeping? You know, like that kind of stuff. People love to talk about themselves and it's very important to give them the space to do that. Mm-hmm. But the last thing I'll say about this, because I know I can beat a dead horse on a lot of uh, minutia, um, keep in mind the line behind you. Uh, it's important to allow others time to be with the family. Don't monopolize that time when there's a line out the door. Everybody deserves a chance to you know, pay their respects. So don't be telling every single story about your time. You're the neighbor that comes and just decides to take up 40 minutes of the family's time with old stories and prattling on about things like everybody deserves a chance. 
And there's other people at the visitation you can talk to. You're allowed to talk to other people if there is a group of people sitting and they kind of look like maybe Graham Graham's line of family. I I say that it's fair to go up and introduce yourself and talk to them. I think a lot of people would like that. Yeah. How did you know so-and-so? And yeah. that can spark all sorts of fun stories. And you'll probably find connections that you didn't even know you had. <laughs> yeah. So maybe you're having a difficult time with the verbal support, um, but you want to show your love in different ways to the family. And there are a few different ways you can do this. Um, of course, sending flowers. Uh, you can send flowers through fa- uh, funeral home websites. Just uh, call them and, you know, maybe see who their normal provider is and like go directly through that provider's website. Sometimes when people order like that third party stuff, they don't show up. And then there's this whole like everyone's scattered at the funeral home because we don't contract with them. It's just like a third party service. So usually going directly to the funeral home's florist is the best. And please, for the love of God, stop sending peace plants. They are the worst. They they are the cheapest option usually, but it's just like no one wants to take care of a peace plant, <laughs> especially What's when there's like five plant? of them. Oh, okay. So a peace plant is like that. Um, usually it's like a very tall, skinny arrangement. It's just like those uh, long green stems with the like white lily type thing on the uh-huh. end of it. It's, uh-huh. oh God, they are just stinky and oh it's like a potted plant yeah it's like a potted plant and they're usually like the cheapest thing that you can send oh god no potted plants no one wants a plant from Graham Graham's funeral no no (laughs) you're giving someone a a like a chore like yeah (laughs) stop that just pretty flowers that'll die like a couple days later right Food is also something else that you consider can consider sending to uh, families. Um, I would always check with the funeral home, though, to handle this best because some funeral homes don't have refrigeration if you have them delivered early. Um, like I just had a recent issue where somebody ordered bagels through a third party website and they got delivered on a day that there were two families and there was no name on it and no one to uh, contact. And I'm like, I don't know who's supposed to get these bagels. Like that was a whole stupid problem. So uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's just the dumb things you never think about, you know, yeah. until it's a problem. They did get the bagels though. We figured it out. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Um, Also, just like bringing a card to give to the family or making a donation in a person's name and all sorts of other memorial tribute items are really nice, like those big blankets that are personalized. There's lots of cute things that you can get online for people. So those are all things that you can do during the visitation. Like we said, visitation is a separate thing from the actual funeral, Uh, just kind of a more casual time to visit and be with the family. Um, Funeral is a ceremony. It's a ritual. Uh, Usually it's a very specific time and uh, it's a service with uh, an uh, agenda and things that they're going to go through in order to honor the deceased. Um, So it's very important to be on time, exactly (laughs) on time. You can be early for the funeral, but just, you know, you might have to wait somewhere, but just please be on time. It's unfair to delay things for others. And most priests aren't willing to start a service late for one child who's running behind or one family member who's running behind, Um, especially when the cemetery is involved. Cemeteries, let me tell you, they have (laughs) tight schedules, tight schedules. So it's very, very important that things need to be kept uh, in a timely, timely fashion. I, I even try to like factor in, you know, lateness with when I schedule services, but it's just it's we should just be certain on time like it's like one of my biggest pet peeves like oh my gosh i hate it so much (laughs) 
Something else uh, that's another pet peeve of mine, because like I swear to God, my entire job in this podcast is the platform for me to talk about everything that bothers me about my job, <laughs> is to silence your cell phone before it starts. Like, I, I am surprised that I have to say this in the year of our Lord 2022, but like, I'll even make the announcement <laughs> at the beginning of the funeral service, and there's still a phone that goes off, and I'm like dude you knew what you were doing today like <laughs> oh yeah no it's inevitable not not calling out boomers but like yeah, it's, it's always boomers. gonna happen <laughs> i've never it's never been a young person i swear to yeah. god it's always boomers like no offense guys but it's just it's so important like you think it's not gonna be ha- happen to you you think you're not gonna be the one that gets the call but it, it happens all the time and yeah. it's just it takes everybody out of the the moments that they're being able to have as a collective like getting words of comfort like you're you're literally ripping them out of that mental headspace when you do that it's so mm-hmm. unfair mm-hmm. i agree um if you're speaking be prepared write down your speech uh, give it to another family member make some copies have someone read it for you the day before or if you find yourself unable to speak you can have someone uh, read your speech for you on the day of um definitely be prepared don't be like oh i'm gonna wing it and it's gonna be beautiful more likely than not uh, it's it's not gonna be beautiful. No, it and, will not uh, be. <laughs> it's gonna be a big mess, and it's gonna be embarrassing. Um, so so definitely don't be that guy. Yeah, honestly, especially if it's like your family's allowing an open mic where people can get up and share stories. Like I, I just I I'm so so tired of it. <laughs> like having one person get up and then like just tell weird stories for twenty minutes. That's longer than the actual funeral itself. Like just just. Just don't, just don't be that guy. Like you're, people are literally looking at their watches and leaving to go to the bathroom, like in the middle of the service because you're taking too long and kind of making it about yourself. Cause that's usually what happens when you get up yeah. without a plan is that you start to talk about yourself. Cause it's the thing that we do when we're nervous. So <laughs> if also you- something of note to families, maybe don't offer an open mic. Maybe if you're also like, that. Oh, uh, uncle Joe has some really funny stories. Maybe ask uncle Joe to tell like one story and that's it. That's all we need. <laughs> and if there's a luncheon, you know that there's always a great time to share stories at the luncheon. So exactly. it's not like you have to do it at the funeral. Some other tips for the day of the funeral. Um, think of ride sharing for the day, especially uh, during a procession. Makes it so you don't have to have to have a longer procession. I hate the tradition of the procession because I feel like it's very dangerous. Uh, not because our drivers are dangerous, but everybody else on the road could give less of a crap what's going on. They cut in and out of procession all the time, running pe- running almost into people. Um, fortunately, I've never had an accident in a procession that I've had, but it does happen. Um, and... The less cars in the procession, the easier it is to keep everyone together. So mm-hmm. ride sharing is a great idea, especially if you get to offer it to, you know, like the spouse or something, you know, hey, grandma, let me drive you that day so you don't have to worry about it. That's always a really great thing to do. Mm-hmm. I do really like the idea and the tradition of procession. I think it's really cool. Um, but I will also agree it's extremely dangerous and incredibly nerve wracking. I used to drive the hearse in mm-hmm. funeral possessions for the funeral home that I worked for. And it was a disaster every single time driving time. through like a downtown area. <laughs> it's awful. I would lose half my procession sometimes and then show up yeah. like 10 minutes later. It is just it can be such a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
like we talked about before, uh, pack appropriate shoes for the cemetery. Stiletto heels and cemeteries do not mix. Uh, <laughs> you're going to sink right into that ground. And don't worry, you're not going to stab any caskets, but like it's <laughs> it's still not fun. <laughs> no, it really isn't. I've had some uh, pallbearers and stilettos that are just going right down into the ground. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, come yeah. on. <laughs> and especially in the wintertime and if you have a... a an area where you get a lot of rain or something cemeteries can get kind of nasty and there's not walkways to the graves usually especially your specific grave because it's new um so definitely be prepared for that and just to go along with what we were saying before food being a huge part of um the funeral ceremonies for many different cultures luncheons are a great addition to the funeral day um a lot of churches and even funeral homes have luncheon areas that you can go back to after the ceremony so i would definitely um ask your funeral director during your arrangements if they have any recommendations for either local restaurants or banquet halls and things like that they'll definitely have like a list or they'll they'll be aware of something to offer to you and I know it can be kind of tough to uh, figure out a head count ahead of time, especially like if your catering needs to be ordered. So if asked, um, funeral directors actually can call in a head count to a restaurant the day of during your service. So while, you know, your, your funeral is happening, they can give them a call and a heads up. But when you're actually trying to come up with the number yourself, cover your immediate and extended family first and foremost, and then add, I would say maybe like 30% on top of that. Um, not everybody always goes to the luncheon afterwards. Um, worst case, you have extra to take home, or you can just have like a few pizzas phoned in for anybody that comes over your estimated head count. If you still have flowers and photos and things to pick up at the funeral home after, uh, you can either plan to come back the next day. You don't you don't have to do it all in one day. It's already a really long day. You can give yourself a break, and we can just hold on to that stuff for you guys like for the next day. Don't be breaking your back just to come back to the funeral home and grab some photos and flowers. And if you actually don't want to take the flowers home, a lot of funeral homes uh, have different places that they can have them donated to. So like nursing homes and things like that to, you know, spruce up their areas, which is always a really good option. So don't feel obligated to have to take home like 30 flowers and find room for them in your home. <laughs> we have a little um, other consideration section at the end here, <laughs> and I really like it because uh, the first bullet point is so difficult friends and family, how to keep them from attending and then underneath it says, elderly visitation staff are not bouncers. <laughs> and I cannot stress this enough. A lot of the times the visitation staff for the funeral home are not actually funeral directors. They're just volunteers or like very minimally paid part-time people uh, that just want to help out. And they like helping people in funeral homes. Uh, they cannot keep your like crazy Aunt Shirley from like <laughs> busting through the door. And they're likely not going to do that for you. Um, so if you have a difficult family dynamic, um, uh, this is something you really, really need to think about because this happens quite often in visitations and funerals, I think. Definitely. I mean, like I've been told like, oh, well, here's the exact name and what they look like and all this stuff. There's going to be hundreds of people coming to the door and they can't be looking out for every single one of them. So if if this is going to be a problem, the most that the funeral home staff is going to be able to do is call 911 and get police on site to be able to deal with somebody that you want removed. That's the best option. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have had some biker families that like stationed some bikers at the door that know. And I'm like, hey, if you want your own bouncers to be there, sure, you can hire them. But that is not a service that the funeral home offers. Yeah, we don't have a bouncing service. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like Red said, we... 
do call and have called 911 on families. Uh, it is a thing that we are very aware and uh, equipped to handle. But yeah, if it comes down to that, we're not getting involved at all. Sorry. <laughs> Poor little Beverly at the front desk is not going to be able to put someone in a headlock. Like <laughs> Beverly, no. <laughs> Beverly, no. <laughs> So not, uh, something else that a lot of people uh, ask us for is work excuses. Um, you can actually call ahead and we can draft you up one ahead of time. So you can just grab it when you get there or we can fax it to your place of work. Um, whatever you guys need, we can usually do it uh, either right on site or you can call ahead and we can take care of it ahead of time too. So that's something that a lot of people end up needing because um, their businesses won't take just like the obituary online for to, to prove that you were there. Yeah, and you can just ask. Just ask, and the funeral director will will do it for you. It's, it's a common one. request. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. And I think uh, my my big point at the end of some of this is um, it's okay to delegate. It's okay to use your support network while you're in the middle of like your grief. It, make a list, assign some stuff to other people to make it happen. People are extremely eager to help. Like we we already talked about, a lot of them don't know how to talk very well, so. You know, if if they ask for something to do, it's okay to say, you know what, actually, yeah, could you put together the photos for the slideshow? It's okay to actually ask for help. You are allowed to ask for help. If this time, more than any other, you are allowed to ask for help when you're going through grief. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even like taking care of the food, you know, or just like little things like that. You don't have to do everything and it doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, this is this is your time and it's important for you to like be there and sit in your grief and kind of go through the process. Um, don't make it more stressful for yourself than it has to be, please. So we hope this has cleared up some things regarding what it's like to attend your first visitation, what it's like to maybe uh, plan or be the main point person for your first visitation and funeral. Um, obviously, like we said, things are going to vary per family, per religion, per traditions and customaries. Um, but I think the most important takeaway that we've said several times already is that this is the funeral and the visitation is for you. Um, you know, it's about the deceased and it's honoring the deceased and it's it's memorializing the deceased. But you know, the reason why all of these things are taking place is for people to be able to um, sit with their grief and be there with it and process it and start the healing process. Um, and that's really, really important. It's something that you can't forget about, um, you know, freaking out about, oh, my God, who, who are these bagels going to? Like <laughs> no one in our family ordered bagels. It's, you know, <laughs> it, it, it leave that to the professionals, which is uh, Red and um, other amazing funeral directors in the field. Aww. And, you know, if this is your time to to do this, you know, you don't want to have a day where you're going to be in the future and looking back and being like, man, I really wish I was more present. I really wish that I wasn't so stressed. Um, but you know, if you're there and you're talking to people and you're taking care of yourself, um, that's really all you can do. And that's all you need to do. I think that was really well said, Jim. Perfect. And that's all for this week on Mort Mike. We'd love to connect with you guys on our socials. So like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Mort Mike podcast. It would mean a lot to hear your feedback. So tell us what you think in a comment and drop us a rating on whatever podcast hosting site that you use. If you have any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear about or burning questions you might have about death, shoot us an email at mortmikepodcast at gmail.com. 
I also want to give a huge thank you to our friend Marston for the use of his song titled Deputies of Death, which he produced just for our show. You can check out his Bandcamp at marstonmusic.bandcamp.com. Thanks, Marston. And be sure to tune in the first Thursday of every month for some more casual discussions on death. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Mort Mike. Bye. Bye. Bye.